I said, I didn't sell you that. What are you talking about? And I tried to log in, and sure enough, it was compromised. I said, give it back. Give it back. That's not yours. It was stolen from me by a hacker. I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here, I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Today's guest is JT Nickel, a true legend who has inspired many great people in our crypto world today. He is most recognized from his work on ETH Finance, Grid Plus, and education on crypto security practices. Welcome JT to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Absolutely, my pleasure, good yeah, to be you're here. you're a legend, so I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> At least my mom thinks so. That's that's. I've heard multiple people that's say true. that. So you're not the, definitely not the only one. Your mom's not the only one. That's she raised a good person. That's too kind. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we know you all currently uh, work at Grid Plus, and you know it's definitely a, what I know is that it's a it's a company that's important to you due to your previous experience in crypto security, and I can't wait to share all that with our audience. Before we get into the whole crypto side of JT, what were you doing before even ever hearing about Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of that crypto stuff? Uh, I was an elementary school music teacher for 18 years um, and a professional DJ in the Kansas City area. Uh, I've been uh, paying my taxes as a DJ as a side hustle for a good 15 years. And uh, yeah, so... I first uh, learned about uh, Bitcoin in 2014, and it was it was kind of out of protest yeah. um, because, uh, you know, my wife and I are both public educators. We were raising four kids. I was working two jobs, plus I'd have a third job in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, that I maintained that all the way up until like last summer, two summers yeah. ago. Uh, I've always been, you know, I like to scrap and... Uh, out of necessity, but also I just enjoy work. Anyway, we had a homeowner's insurance adjuster come out to our house. Oh, man. And uh, they told us that we had to replace the roof on our home. We we couldn't afford that. And we didn't understand why we had to replace it. It looked fine. It turns out, even though my wife bought it on a first-time home buyer, somebody didn't do their inspection. And so we got saddled with having to take out a second mortgage. Yeah. So what I did was the cardinal sin is that you don't put your second mortgage into crypto. (laughs) But instead of hiring somebody to do all the work, I hired one guy to teach me and help me. And then I put the rest of the money into Bitcoin. Uh, And this was kind of like like I needed to find something that was going to hopefully work as some kind of insane store of value uh, thing for the for the road ahead. I was I was just tired of always owing somebody something. And working constantly, owing people, and and you know, just trying to live life and raise a family, and just it was like my hard work wasn't going yeah. far enough, and it was just kind of this. I always joke that I'm the Charlie Brown of crypto, <laughs> and I'm sure through the portion of this, for the for the episode of this podcast, you'll you'll plainly see why I give myself that name. So it's that's uh, that's kind of how I got into Bitcoin. So. I mean, that's the American dream, right? Get as much debt as possible to have as much things as possible. <laughs> yeah. And we don't even, we didn't even want yeah, I know, much. I just, we have, we have a little house. I still, you know, we're still there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Well, like, it's just, it's our home. Mm-hmm. And it, anyway, we, you know, was, and then fast forward just, just one year later after doing that, um, 
I uh, or within that first year, I, I developed a fond love for the what they what do they call the the shit coin roulette, uh, yeah. right? Where you're so for the modern day people, it's kind of like the NFT craze or the ICO craze of 2017. Anyway, I got involved with a project that was uh, being fronted by an Anon developer, mm-hmm. and that developer wound up walking away with. The uh. After I was doing like marketing campaigns and stuff, and we got a, we got an MMA fighter on on TV in Las Vegas for the World Series oh, of Fighting. Wow. If you look up if you if you look up Hyper Crypto and look at the World Series of Fighting and John Fitch, I developed a friendship with him loosely uh, out of that deal, regardless because he still got paid, and it was just one of those learning experiences early on that you know uh, dealing with and on developers and whatnot. But so, anyway. I discovered Ethereum after uh-huh. watching the rise and rise of Bitcoin, and there was one little clip where I saw a 17 or 18 year old Vitalik yeah. Buterin in there, and he talked for all of like 20 seconds in that movie. And I was, I my teacher side of me just noticed something about him that was that was like it just rang true, and so I, I started kind of following what he was doing, and that's when I eventually made the leap to. And Ethereum. did you first hear about Bitcoin and Ethereum just? Because you're into tech, or does some friend say, "Hey, JT, this is the next big thing. You got to get into it." No, it was just like everybody else. It was because an all-time high happened, and that all-time high in Bitcoin previous to when I got in was twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So it was like that run up. I think in 2013, late 2013, and then kind of early on in 2014 is is uh, seems like maybe even that summer is when I I was like, you know, had working on the house. And I'm like I'm. I wanted to make, I wanted to try yeah. something different. I had never, and for the record, I have never proactively purchased a stock in my life. And I've never, I've never had a savings account. I've, I've just checked a check, uh, just like so many people, and then try to ride the wave of, you know, mm-hmm. credit cards or whatever. I mean, when you're a public school educator with a bachelor's degree and, you have kids and you decide you want to put your kids in private school that costs money. I mean, there's a lot that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And, and so it went, it went pretty quick yeah. for us, but it was our choice too. We didn't have a nice house and we made it our, but, you know, made every room. It's special. Yeah. To us, it's always you know? such a problem too. Is like teachers are such a critical role in our uh, growth as an economy and growth as in our, in our children. Like, this is a future generation. Teachers are going to be the ones who have the most influence every day on our children. We should, you know, um, respect respect them and also give them the most, you know, aid to help make sure they live a sustainable lifestyle. Well, and and not to change topics too much or go off the the road too much from the conversation, but I think we need to not only pay our educators better, but the system needs to let bad edu- bad educators mm-hmm. go sooner. And that's a that's a critical problem. But then there's also there's systemic cultural yeah. and uh, lit- litigious problems too that really compound and make make uh, education in America very difficult. <laughs> education anywhere a difficult thing to exactly that's the thing now with crypto especially I feel like in the beginning of crypto, education was hot. Like everyone was trying to teach everyone about. I mean, I learned so much about the legal system, financial system, the monetary system, the all about government uh, amendments of 
how money is works and like what happened in 1971 all that stuff it's like the gold system like oh like bitcoin taught me so much more than and it's exactly this i've learned so much about legacy markets because i'm in this mm-hmm. space because this space shows what's wrong with the legacy market so there is a there is an amplified kind of focus on paying attention to what's happening Everything. I've never paid more attention to politics. Mm-hmm. I've never paid more attention to investing theses, although I wouldn't say I'm the most <laughs> diversified. But it's kind of like one of those deals where it's like, where do you want to go with your money when things that you've been investing in and, uh, you know, timing the market is not my strong suit, but being Same. in the market has seemed to work pretty well. You know, anything can happen and maybe, maybe so, but... I don't find myself really interested in anything else to the degree that I am with this space. And it's exciting. Absolutely. And yeah, that's what I love. I love about Bitcoin <laughs> and Ethereum right now. But what's for me right now is actually what's happening. I feel like the, the education space is starting to fall out into just trading advice and pump and dump schemes mm. and get rich quick schemes. Oh, always, always has, has been. been. And it just, it seems to get more and more convoluted as it grows, and which is natural. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, more people are in it, more people are get creative. Yeah, more people are trying to make money. Well, and every nascent, every nascent technology has these types of growing mm-hmm. pains. You know, whether it's you know trying to make music a digital thing that people want to buy, well, they're going to learn how to steal it first. <laughs> yeah, Napster. And, and <laughs> once you can successfully steal it quickly. Now you got a now you got an avenue where honest people want to like go ahead and on board with real money. It just takes exactly, it, and that's where it's it's still very mm-hmm. early. So then, you, you started getting into Ethereum after seeing Vitalik speak. What was going on through your head at this point? You're you're learning about Ethereum. Is this becoming the new thing you want to get yourself hooked into? Yeah, yeah. This this idea of a uh, smart contracts was was it for me because um i felt like that you could participate in certain uh projects that had anonymous developers and still have some level of trust if people can vet the code for the smart mm-hmm. contracts right so if the if the code is clean and free of bugs or whatever you could be reasonably sure that you don't always have to rely on public facing figures although i still prefer that uh but more importantly I remember one time looking at my treasure and thinking, wow, I've got Bitcoin now. And just how anticlimactic it was to know that. Because I wanted, the reason why I got into the the hyper crypto uh, shitcoin deal was it was a gaming currency. It had a focus on a niche uh, being able to, you know, be a gaming currency. Okay, so there's a buzzword from 2014, 2015, right? So everybody wanted to have these little use case tokens and stuff. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty cool. With Ethereum, I felt like I have something here that I can put my money to work regardless of the market volatility. It's exciting. And now look at look at where we are, you know, just six, seven years later. And the second thing, let me back up. The second thing that impressed me was the smart contracts thing. The first thing that I was excited about was uh, being a green uh, thinking token, a proof of stake. The proof of stake thing in my mind was where it was at. And part of it was because that that 
hyper crypto coin that I was working with was a proof of stake uh, mechanism. I can't tell you, you know, it's still probably SHA-256 <laughs> running off of a CPU, but in my mind, it was it was better than owning an ASIC yeah. miner, which is basically a useless piece of equipment after its life, right? So, and then I started looking at, I remember there was a, there was a uh, ASIC mining farm, I believe in the Philippines or in Panama, that had burned to the ground. Oh, wow. And I remember looking at this, this warehouse that was totally just melted into nothing. And just what a sad waste of like land that was at that point. It's toxic. Whatever was in there is like gone into the groundwater, what have you. We don't even know what they're doing with these ASIC machines, you know, when they're done. I mean, that's a good. Are they really recycling that, these yeah. things, or do they just get thrown away? That's a good away? business idea. Okay, so, so that was my biggest my biggest fear was this technology is going to be unsustainable if it always depends on having more and more material mined out of the earth to do this proof of work thing at a tremendous waste of electricity. And I, I still can't believe the mental gymnastics that I read on Twitter about how, well, yeah, the brownouts are good in these countries because, because it's going to force us to greenovate our energy production. And in my mind, it's just like, how? Like, there's just people that want to wake up and make some toast in the yeah. morning and turn on a light without the neighborhood power plant having to be sucked dry from, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of getting into the weeds of shock it's, journalism. Yeah, I mean, the, the, good, the one good thing about proof of work, I would say, is the force of trying to find renewable energy or like funding more solar power energy or um, hydro energy or, or, or wind energy. It's like, yeah, it's using a lot of electricity. And it's very wasteful to use that much. But if, you know, the whole idea of the game is to try to find the cheapest source of electricity. And I, I yeah. get it. But at the end of the day, it's still forcing the manufacturing of more ASIC machines. Yeah, which is a waste. That really don't need to be produced, number one. And number two, they're not going into the hands of Bob and Alice. You know, they're going in the hands of the big players who already have a bunch of centralized contracts with these manufacturers who can get to market with their hash power before anyone mm -hmm. else can. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's like three card Monty. Like, who's... When's the last time a person solo mined a Bitcoin? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, that's what I'm excited for with uh, Ethereum 2 with their proof of stake and uh, platforms like Rocket Pool and Stakewise where you can work together and pool your minimum amount of Ethereum, like one ETH or 0.1 ETH into a pool and start staking in a decentralized manner, yeah. which is great. And I don't want to I don't want to crap on grandma too much, <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I think I'm preaching to the choir yeah. here about my thoughts on that. And that's where, and my headspace has been that way since 2015. So where has your journey taken you since 2015? And, you know, you're getting into crypto. It's still new to you. Obviously, you had a tough time with the hyper coin, but that wasn't yeah. the only. It, was, it wasn't even so much tough on me. I was cutting my teeth and, and kind of having fun with marketing and stuff like that. I lost some money, but, it, it, you know, I just kind of felt let down that the developer mm -hmm. just ghosted everybody. I've been, yeah. where, did it, where did I go from there? <clears throat> Very early, probably in 2015, 
I was one of the first, I would guess, three or four hundred people on Eth Trader mm-hmm. on Reddit. So Eth Trader was my home uh, for for a very long time. Uh, Mr. Yukon C was a legend on there who helped me and my brother do mining. We did mining, and I know I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite here, but hear me out. Listening, we did, we did ten, gra- we did ten laundry baskets with like five graphics cards in them, held up by like dowel rods going through the lo- the <laughs> the holes in the oh laundry basket. Oh my gosh! So my accountant, my accountant for my DJ business, I was like, I need, I need some money, I need your money. And my brother's like the IT guy, right? And I'm just the idea guy. <laughs> I said, we're going to mine this thing called Ethereum. And so we did that for quite a, you know, for about a year before it started getting mm-hmm. too difficult. What did we do with the hardware? I gave it to, I sold it for pretty cheap to a couple of people that were good at rebuilding computers. So they got the motherboard, they got the RAM, they got the power supply, they got all those graphics cards. And I mean, we were able to get that all those parts that were still fully functional right back out on the market at a time when GPUs were kind of hard to, to mm-hmm. find. So yeah, it was, it was basically like, you know, recycling what, what helped us in our mining journey. And then anyway, so back to ETH trader. So Mr. Yukon, see I'm indebted to him forever for, for really helping us out. But he, there was so many good people on, on Reddit, the problem was it was Reddit, and sometimes it felt like a Poloniex troll box or like a 4chan, yeah. you know, back room or something. Yeah. And so I, I stepped up and asked, you know, hey, we would like to get on the moderating team if at all possible. And we were on the moderating team for Mr. Yukon C and myself, and a handful of others were on the moderating team for eTrader probably all the way, I'm guessing, through 20, yeah, it would have been 2018. And then uh, there was just a bit of a falling out. We didn't want to do community points on Reddit with the donuts experiment that the Reddit Red Hats were instituting along with uh, the lead uh, mm-hmm. moderator. And we just kind of had a difference of opinion. Then we broke off and started ETH Finance. And ETH Finance, uh, I think it's August 18th of 2018 is our birthday. And uh, we're, uh, we're a smaller crypto community, but it, I, I liken it to be, it's very high um, high signal, low noise. A lot of very smart people in there. We have the the appropriate amount of shit posting. <laughs> the moderating team, like we've established a culture in there that's pretty sweet because we like to have people talk to each other as if they're actually in the same room with yeah. each other. And with that, what I always do is try to get people just think in those terms and then type what you need to say. And you know, you'll get the you'll get an, a more appropriate response. And so as a result, we don't really have a, a super heavy-handed ban action on our subreddit because the culture's been established awesome. and the community has helped maintain that culture. Reddit, as far as crypto goes, you know, like it's a busy place to try to do like a long-form discussion. Yeah. And so a lot of people went off to Twitter, but we've had we've we've had some people come back to ETH Finance because but the the reality is, is ETH Finance, we, we've done a pretty good job of trying to reach out to like different conferences. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a calendar of events. We want to, well, all this is, is a, it's a utility for the ecosystem. It's just one more touchstone nice. that people can come to. Like our daily thread at the top 
has the dates. It has the hyperlinks to all the upcoming events. We, right, so we try to stay on top of all that. On top. That's amazing. And we have we have a massive list of links that we put yeah. together that we kind of curate like a bonsai tree over time. Um, it's it's just kind of a labor of love. Always has mm-hmm. been. Moderators are con- we constantly get DMs people wanting to pay us for placement and all that wow. other stuff. We don't do it. We we give it all away for free. Wow. And when did you start your career in crypto? Were you still a teacher at this time? Yeah. So that's that's a good question. So. With Grid, um, I, I, I'm friends with uh, my, my boss before um, they approached mm-hmm. me. And uh, it's funny because I helped him kind of get into Ethereum <laughs> back in like 2016 when he was still like an accountant <laughs> for like State Street Bank. And he, he s- somehow stumbled into E-Trader and had a question about what the hell they're talking about at State Street Bank. And then Mr. Yukon C and myself, got some internal documents and we looked at mm-hmm. them and we we're like, yeah, state street bank is going to try to join the EEA or something. It was something yeah. like that. And so we were just like, you know, that's pretty cool. Cause for your listeners that may not know, I think state street bank has like $2 trillion plus in assets under their custody wow. or, or they control or whatever. They're, they're big time. So anyway, fast forward, I had mentioned in a private channel, I was interested in looking at getting out of teaching, which I really love teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a good music teacher, man. I, and I'm telling you, and I'm bragging about it because I've, I, we rocked the freaking music concerts. We made it enjoyable for the parents and grandparents. I had fun doing it. It was just time to try yeah. to do Maybe things. you can teach me guitar because I'm still learning how, to, I'm learning how to play guitar now. Nope. Trombone <laughs> only, man. One tr- <laughs> that's it <laughs> so anyway uh justin goes uh you you're looking to get out of teaching he's like we'll hire you right now right. And i'm like i can't leave it's in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> and it's january yeah. right so they put me on part-time doing video editing and uh you know creating videos for like yeah. tutorials for grid plus and and i had a very small amount of ability to do that prior uh, but I said yes to the job, and then my, and then I spent the next five months working part time, like researching everything I could. Like I almost had to shut off Reddit for for a little bit so I could focus on teaching myself these new things I was mm-hmm. getting ready to do. And I still teach myself every yeah. day. And so July first of of this uh, last year was when I went um, officially full time. Right. So. Yeah, July 1st, 2020. Congrats. Yeah, and I had Justin on the show, so if anyone wants to know Justin's side of the story, so it's both sides of the coin, listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for the job, bro. <laughs> so I'm having the, I'm having the time of my life cuz I get I get to do I get to do like it's I, lo- awesome. I love editing. I've had some uh, I've had some success with audio editing in the past. I used to run I used to run a seven-piece rock band, and we opened up for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and The Urge, and Jen Blossom. So I knew, I knew my way around, like how to manipulate yeah. audio. But then manipulating video was was the real treat, and I, I, I love coming to work every single it's, day. It's, I work my butt off, and and these guys do too in this company. I'm, it's like uh, getting the band back together in my in my. So mind. awesome! I love that for you, man. Yeah, I love that it, for you. it's. Yeah, it's very fulfilling, man. And I I always uh, hope to hear other people's stories like that, too. I mean, it's a 
you know, the real world is a grind, mm-hmm. but you know, if you keep a positive attitude and if you put in a little extra time every day, you can really, you can really go do things you, you didn't think you'd be capable of. Exactly. I mean, not every person pivots a career after 18 years. A lot of times, especially in education, those teachers get kind of settled into the routine. They know exactly what September teaching is like in October. They have their plan. They're looking at their spice it up, man. You got to spice it up. (laughs) uh, Not me, man. I was trying to do Reddit, (laughs) Ethereum, and teaching at the same time and then DJing on weekends Mm. and odd jobs in the summer. So so now I've like no more odd jobs. I'm just grid and I'm and uh and I'm still teaching. It's yeah. just I'm not dealing with five year olds, I'm dealing with teachers <laughs> who are no different. Probably worse. <laughs> they're they're no different. <laughs> I love them all too, man. I just I I just love it. I mean when when like uh you know, like oh gosh, when you get some of these crazy usernames coming in and asking for help and they got and their and their avatar is like a porcupine hitting a bong, and they they need help with setting up their wallet. It's like, sure, I'm your guy. Let's go. Well, I know I know Grid Plus has a special like because uh, because I know that from your past you've had some issues with you know sec- like having security issues with storing your to- your tokens of crypto, and Grid Plus is a hardware wallet. For anyone who doesn't know. Awesome product. Definitely try to get your hands on one. But can you explain a little bit to why Grid Plus hits a little bit home to you? Whew. All right. Put seatbelts <laughs> on, kids. So in 20, what was it, 2016 or so, I had uh, I had SMS two-factor authentication on my Kraken account. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the mining account where wow. I had my investor and I had my brother. So that's like three people, depending on that money. And the hacker set got got my phone SIM swapped. They used the SMS to bypass the two-factor authentication protocol to get in. They compromised uh, all my email accounts. And what they did was they changed the password on Kraken, if I'm not mistaken. And then I couldn't even get in to like do the global lock yeah. thing. And so they drained it for 41 Ether. Uh. So in today's dollars, uh, you do the math, and at you know that that like one hundred twenty thousand was just the, or something. That was just the start, because the same hacker or group of people that were hacking uh, sold a Bitcoin talk account of mine. The Bitcoin talk account that I had had very high merit. It was a senior level. It was a desirable account to have if you want to do an announcement for an ICO, mm. that announcement was, uh, they, that my, sorry, my Bitcoin talk account was sold to a guy and I'm going to name him because I don't give a shit. His name is Ken Sangon and he ran an ICO illegally called open platform. They raised, uh, a, approximately $18 million plus they were using my Bitcoin talk account as part of their marketing campaign. Wow. And I, I even got in touch with a team member who accidentally revealed himself to me on Reddit as being part of the team and said, wow, it's really nice of you to sell us your, uh, I can't believe I'm talking to the real JT. It was so nice of you for, uh, for you to sell open platform, your Bitcoin talk account for our marketing purposes. I said, I didn't sell you that. 
what are you talking about? And I tried to log in, and sure enough, it was compromised. I said, give it back. Give it back. That's not yours. It was stolen from me by wow. a hacker. And I showed, I showed that team everything they need to know. Anyway, so then in order to try to keep myself from getting raked over the coals by the SEC or whatever, like, hey, they're going to trace back JT Nickel mm-hmm. to this idiot in Kansas somewhere, I went ahead and got lawyered up. I took uh, the money. I paid the lawyer. We contacted California Business Oversight. We got a hold of the React Task Force team, uh, issued a letter to the CFTC and the SEC to go after them, and then that ICO went poof. And then the owner is somewhere not in the United States, most likely, because if he was, I can't imagine that there's not some kind of warrant out for his arrest. Uh, it's, it's, it's crap to be hacked. It's double crap to be kicked. It's like yeah. a mugger beats a victim and then another mugger comes to take the wallet and kicks him again, even though they knew full well they were using my stuff. And so I, that was like enough. Enough is enough. Ridiculous. Then uh, two years later, so that's all kind of water under the bridge now. As you can tell, I'm really <laughs> over it. And so um, uh, let's see, two years ago, uh, my phone got SIM swapped again. Now, I'm gonna give a little bit of a. I'm gonna give a little bit of a, a uh, bit of knowledge for your yeah, listeners. Please, if you are trusting that SIM pin that you type in to uh, unlock your account for the agent for any one of the telcos, you know the little seven to eight digit pin that they give mm-hmm. you. It's crap. It can. It can be compromised, and I know. And I know it can. Because the second time I got SIM swapped, I had that pin lock on my account at AT&T. It got phone ported over to T-Mobile. Okay. I was in the store at AT&T and all the lady at the store had to do was call the T-Mobile global fraud department. And she said, hi, my name is so-and-so. My badge number is these five digits that are right here on my badge. And I'm at this store number. And we have a gentleman here who's been SIM swapped or blah, blah, blah. T-Mobile overrode the SIM lock that was placed on my number on their side and stole it back from the hacker and gave it back to me. We SIM swapped the SIM swapper in real time through social engineering. Oh, my gosh. Just do the right thing and don't use your phone under any circumstances for anything two-factor. And, and fortunately, even though they SIM swapped me, no funds were lost. Why? Because I'm using uh, hardware, uh, two-factor USB everywhere mm-hmm. I can. And if I can't, I use some kind of Google authentication. I use, uh, you should all try yeah, to do some FA. kind of, you know, password MFA, manager. Yeah. 2FA on the password manager, unique, unique passwords on everything, and then change them all the time. It's the only hope that we have in this greasy industry to have a prayer of surviving Mm -hmm. because your telecommunication companies with these little magic phones they sell you and make you believe that their little pin that you assign is uncompromisable. It's a, it's just a lie. And that's just a fact. So anyway, full circle, I couldn't be in a better place working for a hardware security manufacturer, which I think is the best the, the planet has seen to this mm-hmm. day. I mean, everybody has their own method of doing things. 
this one is great for a lot of reasons and I don't want to shield the product <laughs> too much, but when you have a five inch touchscreen that you can actually see smart yeah. contract data, actually put in uh, custom address tags, actually load things you expect to see. So even if your, com your computer's compromised, the final thing is what you see on, on that screen. It's heads and tails above the rest. I, yeah, and, I, and I've also been SIM swapped a while ago, a couple of years ago. Thankfully, they didn't get, uh, I don't know if they even had a Coinbase account at that time or anything like that, but thankfully, they didn't get into any of my finances. They just tried to take hold of my email, but I just, my, I had that sinking feeling of I don't have control over my accounts or identity. That's terrifying. And it is and terrifying. And, and the sooner you kind of wrap your head around how little you actually have control mm -hmm. over, I mean, let's not even. <laughs> Get our tinfoil hats going about. Oh, we're not. We're not gonna. <laughs> what we think is secure, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> you think the telcos are bad? Just wait till the three-letter agencies whip yeah. out their toolbox. You know? Oh man, that's why. Yeah, crypto is gonna save the day. Hopefully, <laughs> um, it'll be. It'll be. So okay. now that yeah, you're you're heavy in this industry for a while. It's twenty-four-seven industry. You can't turn off crypto, and it's hard to turn it off in your brain, but. With you know four kids, a family, you know living in a life, how what do you do outside of crypto? How do you live or like um, kind of distress or I make like, <laughs> I make up for it by cooking for my wife. Nice, <laughs> I love yeah, cooking too. Yeah, I man. Uh, yeah cook. I like cooking. I you know I know this sounds so dang cliche, but I do find ways to to tune it off. Mm -hmm. Um, tune it out, I should say, and you know, go on a walk or go exercise. Exercise is exercise is number one. Am I out there every day? No, but I do get out there because it just totally clears your mind and lets you just not, you know, be plugged into anything for a second. Yeah, I've also had to learn how to self regulate. Uh, it could be complicated. Let me put it this way my wife is not crypto native and she will never be crypto native. And so that's that's one of those things where it's like I have to have kind of a balance of, of not talking about Ethereum for once, you know, or, you know, what's going on. It's 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 something she just doesn't have any interest in. And so that's that's good, too. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because it forces me to get out of my bubble for a minute and get and get in hers. And so but cooking is also very cathartic. Um, yep. I'm big into barbecue. I, know, I always joke that like you're all invited to my house for a barbecue sometime. <laughs> that was the meme on that was the meme on eTrader when we had like less than 500 people. We were like actually thinking about maybe seeing if we could get a dozen people together. That awesome. was like now now it's just like insane. <laughs> you know, it would end up being like some kind of Woodstock barbecue fest, and I would be uh, busy. <laughs> I would love it. But yeah, I got I do. I do cook out on a fire pit. I have a uh, four by four foot by four foot uh, steel grate fire pit that nice. I built with a big stone structure or you know block rock or whatever, mm -hmm. and then uh, it get it's suspended from a tree and I can raise and lower it. And I used to post videos on Reddit of me just sitting by the fire pit, and sometimes I'd be <laughs> cooking while I'm talking about nothing into the that's camera. That's so funny. I love that. It's like. I the personality of who you're working with. And that's what I love about this show. It's like, I want to know the personality of JT. Do you, if you cruise my, if you cruise my YouTube channel, Jeremiah Nickel, and you go back, go back 
to like 2015, 16, 17 when I was really kind of doing videos on the mm -hmm. regular. And you can see some of the ones where I'm just out there by the fire pit cracking a beer and chilling out because that's, that's the kind of guy I am, <laughs> you know. Not everybody could be an Austin Griffith, you know, with the boop, 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 and like building stuff. Some of us just got to kind of try to relate the best we can and bring it down yep. to earth. And know? I mean, that's the thing too, like you're saying, uh, yeah, I'm just so heavily into crypto all day. And when I'm out with like friends who are into crypto, it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's, there's other topics in the world other than crypto. It's hard not to talk about crypto because you can relate any topic into crypto or blockchain. It's just like, oh yeah, let's, let's be more like philosophical yep. or something or just something completely different of a subject. Yeah. <laughs> Going to watch the kids play sports, mm -hmm. you know, that's another that's another thing. You're you're right. I mean it's that that's the deal with this rabbit hole is uh, I've seen it eat people up for good. Like I've seen people that's something we've dealt with. Um you know, we've kind of skipped talking about the dark side of this space, which are these tremendous bear markets. Mm -hmm. I have seen people get brutalized to the point of attempted suicide. Wow. And that's no joke. And I and in fact on ETH Trader and on ETH Finance, we we put our foot down. We don't let people like post the suicide hotline because sometimes that is being used for manipulating people because there are people who FOMO in with that second mortgage money like I did, but they don't have the metal or the nerve or they, they I've seen people blow their entire student loan on it thinking they were going to be able to flip it by Christmas yeah. time or something. And now they're fucked out of, I mean, pardon like, French, you may want to edit that. And now they're like screwed up from being able to, you know, continue their college education and to kind of walk a 21 year old back from the edge a little bit. I've done that before. That's hard. I've been, I've been in direct messages with people in the past. I mean, I, like I said, the, the, we foster this place of like, talk to each other like you're in the same room. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other quote I have is, uh, you, you always make your best friends in the bottom of a bear market. The bottom of the bear market is kind of where you find the people that are kind of those true believers and especially those builders who just are heads down. They they just want to make cool stuff on this protocol and the price is kind of almost secondary. Exactly. And so you kind of just got to encourage, uh, encourage people where you can to stay with it because if you put technology first and price second, you're a whole lot happier. Yep. Whole lot exactly. happier. That's why Bitcoin just sucks. That's why... That, all that is, that is nothing, I just, I see the premise of it, I get the narrative mm -hmm. of it, it's just not for me. That's fair, and I totally agree when you're saying that you meet your, your friends at the bottom of the bear market, it's because all the people who truly believe in the tech, that's when they're all chatting, talking, building, developing, and then when a bull market comes, that project skyrockets because of all the work that was happening for three years during a bear market. And I, and I think that's yep. something that people don't realize is like these crypto projects that pop up, aren't just popping up. They've been in development for a while. Some do just pop up out of nowhere and kind of like say, Hey, invest here and you're going to make 300% your return in a month. But yeah, <laughs> please don't the, fall for the that. The DeFi farming. Yeah. I, I remember when, when yams started being all the rage in the daily, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is yams. Okay. We're farming <laughs> yams now. And what is, and what is farming? Farming, right? Yep. 
And now people are like, it's it's grown so much to where it's just incredible how people are dovetailing these things together, just like money Legos. That 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 phrase that's going to last for an eternity. How they're able to snap in and and do all these things. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it might be short lived some of these experiments, but that's they're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to not to pivot too much, but like when I hear when I hear like Janet Yellen and you know Ginsburg and all these people up at the top of the ivory tower trying to regulate this stuff, and they're using they're using terminology that's over a hundred years old. It's like wake up, man! That you cannot apply legacy regulation to what's being built right now. It's just incredible. Yeah. Like. But it, but it sounds silly if you go in front of Congress and you're like, but yeah, but these board apes are like, they're they're like parking their radishes into this fish farm that's in this metaverse thing, and they're making an incredible yield, and that's going to help pay taxes to the IRS. And then when you then when you ask those same people to account for their taxes, they can't do it because the terminology. Yeah, it's work, so com- complex, know? especially in the crypto world, because you're trading so many different ways. And it's like uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but this coin ha- mm-hmm. made this coin happen where it yielded this coin and then this token and this I'm like uh <laughs> you just see some poor bastard with a scroll <laughs> that goes to the desk at the IRS and unfurls <laughs> into, to this like block this blockchain ledger that like rolls down the hallway it's like you figure it out yeah for real like here it is you figure it out you tell me how much I owe you I don't want to get arrested for messing up accidentally <laughs> it's like i'll be in for 12k if you think it's more than that you let me know. so knowing all that uh, i like to ask what is your crypto pet peeve my crypto pet my crypto pet peeve i think uh bitcoin maxis on twitter mm. get really it just it just is irritating that they're relevant and i know that it's not all real it's not because of click farms but the impression feels that it's real and I mean, and all they got to do is is point their monkey finger at the chart and say price go up. See, I told you so. And it's like that's at some point that pet peeve is going to have a day of reckoning. And it's just par for the course for any brand new technology that the first mover doesn't always have the advantage 30 years later, mm-hmm. even though it's written in code. I mean, I, I maybe I'm going to be wrong. I just there's nothing that gets me excited about it. That's fair at all. Yeah, and I and the and the and the pet peeve is the click farms will dogpile on any dissenting view, and always have, from the earliest days. It was it was a it was the third reason that Ethereum interested me, was because of the community, and the temperament of the community and the temperament of expectations and that yes we're going to do this it's going to take a long time sometimes i wish the ethereum people would have a little more spine early on but at the same time we're still waiting for proof of stake and that takes time and so good on the developers for sticking through it and the community for sticking through it and we're already yielding those those dividends but that was the biggest reason i left bitcoin uh beyond the proof of work mechanism beyond the price go up was just the community was super toxic. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the way back to like the way uh, uh, Th- is it Thanos on Reddit was banning people left and right that any kind of dissenting view about block size debate. And I'm like, first of all, that's not how you run a subreddit. 
Yeah, you can't just ban you know, everyone out. Like, just ban everybody. And, it, you know, Bitcoin talk was just got noisy, too. My That's probably my biggest pet peeve is just the general Bitcoin maxi viewpoint. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, and that's not a definition for everybody that's into Bitcoin by any stretch. Yeah. There's a, there's, it's really not, it's technology. You can't really hate the technology. The technology is just, that's the law. It's just some of the people that ride on that high horse in that community just kill me. Exactly. Yeah. And I hate when I see that on Ethereum sometimes too. Most of it is not, the culture mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty damn good. That's what I like about it a lot too. But once in a while, I see some people just being an ETH maxi just as bad as they are a Bitcoin maxi. I'm like, man, don't make, yep. don't bring that in here. Don't become the thing yeah. you hate. That's. I think that's a Darth Vader <laughs> quote. I don't know. And he's got a good point. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't become the thing you hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, now that you've been in this space for a while, and did you ever like, think this would be your career path crypto like you were since you were mining it was it i know it was a it was pretty natural growth for you but it was it was it was very seamless mm-hmm. um it was absurdly seamless it was kind of like i waited probably two or three years longer than i mm-hmm. should have first of all i don't like flying second of all i was teaching at a school that was surrounded on two sides by cows <laughs> I'm not necessarily well connected into an urban sprawl. I say Kansas City very mm-hmm. loosely, just because it might be a place on a map somebody could point to. Um, but my life has always been small town. And, you know, it was actually several years before I finally met the first person uh, off of Reddit in real life. And it was just, it was pretty cool. Like pretty surreal, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of made that connection. And then, like, I think fast forward to uh, knowing that the time was right was when the pandemic struck. This is interesting for me yeah. personally, anyway. When the pandemic came, all the music concerts were shut mm-hmm. down. Everything was shut down. We were forced to stay in our little holes and keep to ourselves and just listen to the government, and that's fine. We didn't know what we were dealing with, so I'm like, well. We're trapped inside the school. The parents can't come in. I mean, the parents couldn't even bring in cupcakes, let alone let the kids pass. Wow. Okay. It was, it was that bad for a lot of schools. And I could go on and on. Anyway, I was asked by a fundraiser that I DJ every year if I could help them live stream it. And I said, sure, but I need a camera. And so I got my first camera and I got my lens. And then I'm like, hmm, I need to teach myself how to use this thing. Because the live stream's coming up in February, and it's now September. So what did I do? I started making music videos with the kids at school, (laughs) playing the instruments, sharing that out to the parents. They loved it. It was perfect. Then the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, so we did the the song that was kind of the anthem. And it was a good enough video that it got, like, airplay on, like, six television stations, (laughs) including, like, Nashville and Atlanta or something. Yeah, and it was like, if the Chiefs had only won, (laughs) I would have been on the today show for my five minutes right anyway so um so then the the grid plus thing kind of came along and uh, i was like yeah i can make videos for you (laughs) and so after all of that it was a pretty seamless transition because i had already spent the school year 
you know, honing my skills, making music videos. And then mm-hmm. I got the job offer in January and I knew I could do it. And I, and I knew that it was going to work because I had six months to, to make it happen. And in the process, I was making little things here and there. And uh, our CEO and our, our CTO and, and uh, Justin, our COO, they were all very honest about like if it was crappy or not or if I needed to revise things. And yeah, I needed that. I needed that direction because I wanted to make sure that I was able to execute what they were wanting to get done. And my whole premise was also to make sure you do it in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. And I think the first video that I produced, I, the the title said version 18. Oh. And we never used it. Uh, and, I, and looking back, it was not the video to use. I, I There were days where I'm like, I got to get this right because I know it doesn't look right either, but I can't, you know. I needed to try to figure out because part of it was I can be too much of a cut up. I can joke too much. Mm. And we needed to do technical videos, JT, not fire pit, drink a beer video, you know. <laughs> so and there, there was this kind of this push and pull. Um, but the side benefit of having the video equipment was for this reason here where we can like live stream. And so I actually have a second camera set up back here. And so for our, our customers, I'll sit on the Hangout on Discord and live stream a high definition shot of the yeah. lattice that I have here and kind of help coach people. And, you know, not all of our users are crypto native. Some of them, like we've had several of them that their first foray into crypto was buying NFTs. And then they might might purchase a lattice, but they've never made a wallet before because they now they're sitting in like six figures of NFT sitting in their phone or whatever. That's insane. So we have to teach them what a seed phrase is. And we have to teach them about derivation paths. And if you're coming, you know, into this for the first time, the the money the money does funny things to yep. people, and it's great. It's such a blessing when people hit hit a jackpot. But your first car shouldn't be like maybe a cat a Lamborghini or some high end exotic uh, thing. Um, not that our device is that, but I'm saying you got to open up the manual to the world of crypto and learn some basics too. And that's what yeah. we do is we kind of teach people from the beginning if they need it with a, you know, Wikipedia and everything like that. And I love talking to newcomers because I mean, as a person, I'm actually a grandpa too, by the way. Oh. So I have a lot of people that are my age and older that are wondering, well, I bought this, I bought crypto on a, what was it? Venmo. Or Venmo or Robin Hood. Yeah, should things. I get a wallet? And I'm like, well, I don't think you can withdraw from those yet. You know, yeah. what you need to do is like, you know, so just taking people by the hand and then, you know, self-custody, some things, maybe some things you want to leave on an exchange. Maybe you want to spread yourself out across different things, you know. So it's just nice to, to just hang out with people on Discord and talk about anything they want to know. I'm yep. there. And I've been on that uh, Discord channel with you live just chatting and working at the same time so it was a lot of fun i definitely recommend people to do that too with you yeah i'll just sometimes i'll just be in their video editing you don't yep. have to say anything and i'll just be listening to music if you want to just have a little hangout spot that's what i do it's awesome um one of my final questions I like to ask is uh what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment well when you've got justin larue 
who's my boss at Grid Plus, but then you have the almighty Paul Brody on there from EY. Yep. I mean, Paul Paul Brody and I became fast friends, and I'm so glad that you got a chance to talk to him. Me too. He was great. He is great. And for the reason, I think, is he has been the biggest champion of enterprise use of public mainnet Ethereum yes. in the enterprise world. It, the dude... The dude is helping to connect so many important legacy institutions onto the public mainnet and get out of this, you know, siloed walled garden version of, of blockchain that so many companies were trying to embrace a, in the past. And I, I've just had, it's been such a privilege to know him. And, and you want to talk about such an unlikely duo, right? Like Ivy League, Princeton head of blockchain for EY that did like whatever, a hundred million in revenue last year. <laughs> All I did was I reached out to him and I said, Hey, Ethans, if you need any help with your EY summits, let us know. And that's what we've done. We we do that for any conference. Paul Brody took that bull by the horns and said, You're on. It's like just the most unlikely of friends. Here we have like this Ivy League uh, Brainiac from Princeton. Uh, and I don't know if he ever talked about his parents, but they're incredibly smart people too. Juxtaposed with this this kid that grew up in small towns in Kansas. But what brought us together was this this unintended benefit of the pandemic. Everybody's on lockdown. EY is wanting to do their global blockchain conference, but they can't do it in person. And and then Paul reached out and said, "Hey." do you think you could help us virtually? I'm like, well, sure. Yeah, let's do it. You know, we're going to, if you're going to do a virtual event, we need to get the information out to the people. I mean, he's such a, like, a, like I said, he's a real staunch, you know, person when it comes to supporting the public mainnet, which is right into the thesis of what we're all into. And so we hosted the event on Reddit and with a lot of questions, you know, we helped host, I should say. And, I uh, remember Paul, I asked him after it was done, I said, Paul, I said, what is the, what is the most people you usually have in person? He said about 300. I said, how did you do on your live stream? He goes, we had over 12,000 like streams in various formats around the world or whatever. And it was just one of those moments where it was just, it was like, wow, that's really something. Anyway, the following year, uh, the conferences were back in person and Paul allowed he flew me and my wife to New York on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And it was just the most in just incredible thing because I don't like flying. And I got over it in that moment. And I knew that that was going to help me like do things with grid and get, get over my fears of like, I guess being in big metropolitan areas and getting up in the air and flying around. It's just been a treasure. So, uh, I just want to thank you, uh, for, for having me on. Uh, you have a really good podcast, and I hope it's been entertaining for your guests, and I'll continue to listen to them. And uh, thanks so much for, for having me on. And uh, I also was going to mention, if people want to find me on Reddit, um, user JT Nickel, N-I-C-H-O-L, and at ProDJKC on Twitter. Uh, and you can always find me on the Grid Plus Discord, at gridplus.io. You don't have to be an owner. Uh, you could just come and hang out if you just want to, you know, shoot the bull with me and uh, chit chat about 
crypto or anything you, that's on your mind or if you got questions happy to help you out so thanks again my man for for having me on you guys be good cheers big hugs from Kansas city thank you so much jt for being on this show it was a pleasure and i, I just can't wait to see you keep doing what you're doing not everyone